Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, August 18th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome everyone to Weigh In Sports Talk. We are less than two weeks away from college football season. You know, less than two weeks, a Thursday night game. Just, I think we have several of those, but the main day, August 31st on a Saturday, everybody's going to be playing. Every fan in the country is going to be in on the action. And I don't know about you, Trey, but I can smell it now. I can really smell it. Well, it's, it's certainly closer, Tarwin, and, you know, it's getting that time of the year where we stop breaking down individual teams because it is just so very close to the, the start of the season. So it's time to wrap up our, our individual breakdowns and get to our national breakdowns, Tarwin. It's that close. It's, it's close enough to start talking about the the bigger things in college football. Now, I'm, I'm just so excited. I will be in Jordan Air Stadium that Saturday night. Uh, hopefully you'll get to catch a game, Trey. And uh, just excited, uh, you know, the cool weather's coming, college football's in the air, the weekends are just packed from here on out, it's just exciting. It's an exciting time in the in the year, actually, right now, through January, and then it slows down again, so we're ready to kick it off. And just to, to let everybody know the agenda tonight, Trey, we will be talking NFL football, of course, we're going to be in the AFC North tonight, previewing that division, and it's a very, very competitive division, the the reigning Super Bowl champs reside there. So we're going to see between us and the fans out there, will Baltimore, do they have what it takes to get back to the Super Bowl? And I'm interested to see what everybody has to, to say about that. And we will touch a small time tonight on Oklahoma State out of the out of the Big 12 Conference in college football and then UCLA out of the Pac-12. And then we're going to dive into the polls and just get – Get Trey's thoughts, my thoughts, and the fans' thoughts on, on is there any teams out there that's sticking out to you, the teams that are overrated and maybe ranked too high, teams that are, are ranked too low. So I'm excited, Trey, to get started. But I just want to start off in baseball, Trey, just for a moment. Did you get to see your boy Strasburg last night try to hit the uh, – intentionally hit an Atlanta Braves three times and fail? Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that, Tarvin. That was uh... – you know, you kind of think that maybe, uh, you know, if you're going to send a message, you really got to connect in more ways than one. Yeah, you, you, you would think, you know, Strasburg, an elite pitcher, supposed to be the best on their team, can't even hit a batter. I can, I could hit you right now, Trey, if we stepped on a mound. I could make sure I could throw it. Especially if you give me three chances. I'm going to hit you one of them. But, you know, why, why does Strasburg and, and the Braves, what, what's their beef with each other right now? It seems like every time they play, there's some sort of, you know, throwing in a batter. I mean, this is a grown man's game, Trey. They're playing like boys. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, a single hit batter from 10 games ago can really snake into something quite more significant. I think that's where we are with this. You have two rivals. I think uh, there's a little bit of bitterness and trash talking going on between the fact that the Braves are so far up on the Nationals. I mean, one of the things you saw is, is you know, Strasburg was able to hit someone earlier in the game. He did plunk Justin Upton right on the, the rear end earlier in the game, so it wasn't as, as if um, 
this just came out of nowhere. So, you know, Tarvin, this is one of those rivalries that has been building. This kind of thing has been building. So uh, I think that you're going to see even more of this as, as this rivalry goes on. Yeah, I, look, I have no problem with the pitcher throwing at a batter and hitting him in the butt. I mean, it's it's cushioned down there, and you're not going to do any damage. But when you start going to the head, head areas and, and the hands, that's where it gets dangerous. Tonight, I don't know if you saw A-Rod get beamed a 3-0 and count. I mean, he's been getting killed since he's come back with the steroids. Joe Girardi got through out of the game tonight. It's just getting a little out of hand. Every time you turn on Sports Center, you watch a baseball game, they're throwing at each other. So, I don't know. You know the Yankees in Boston hate each other's trade. So, I want to talk about some good news in baseball. You know, the Dodgers finally lost a game. Is that good news to you, Trey? <laughs> Well, I think it's good news for a lot of other teams. But, Tara, I do want to go back to the, the A-Rod situation. I know we've talked yeah. about A-Rod, but I, I actually think this is kind of an interesting point. Is You actually see the dichotomy, the breakdown between the players, those who are clean and those who are juicing. Because, I mean, the, go, the guys who are clean who are throwing the ball, I mean, you saw uh, a lot of commentary about that this week, especially with A-Rod and some of the pitchers saying, hey, this guy took me deep in, a, in my first inning in the, on the mound. Now I know he was juicing. It pisses me off. And then the next day, what happens? You know, when you dumpster today, throws the A-Rod. So, you know, I, I think this is the players, you know, litigating this matter themselves. And this is Ryan Dempster, judge and jury, and not only the rivalry of Red Sox-Yankees, but I think this is more in depth of the players um, sort of sending, you know, that pitch across the bow, if it will, up, up A-Rod's head, saying, hey, look, man, we're tired of this. We're tired of you cheaters. Uh, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna leave it on the field a little bit. So I kind of like that, Tarvin. Get, get it out on the field. Yeah, they, they issued a code red on him, didn't they? <laughs> That's pretty much <laughs> what it is. You know, you have the players, the players uh, sort of litigating this thing on their own. Well, well, Trey, before we get back to the Dodgers or go to the Dodgers, I mean, a guy that was on my fantasy team that's on the bench all week that would probably cost me from beating you was Alfonso Soriano. What has happened to this guy? I mean, every time you see him, he's hitting multiple home runs. I mean, is, is it kind of weird, the steroid going on and everything, the Yankees? It seems like a lot of players on the Yankees are using. Any chance Soriano could possibly be uh, rejuvenated? Well, I mean, Soriano's always been kind of a scrawny guy, and you know, he's bulked up at times and, and lost that at other times. I mean, is it possible? I mean, heck, I think anything's possible a- anymore. But, um, you know, Soriano, you know, has had a decent year, but certainly this streak he's on this week, I mean, he, he would have gotten you uh, <laughs> a win this week, Tarvin. I appreciate you not starting him on leaving those 50 points on the bench. I actually thought I did start him, Trey. Did you change my lineup since you're the commissioner? Did you go in and change it? Once he got to 50 by Tuesday, did you did you switch it? <laughs> no, yeah, he, he's not the only guy on the bench. I had a couple of guys who dropped 20 on my bench, so actually three guys, So, uh, which all three of those guys equal equal Soriano this week, I and mean, that's how great Soriano's been. But, um, you know, good, good on you for not starting in Tarvin. That's, that's a good thought. And as soon as we talked about Soriano, deep fly to right field. I mean, he's just connecting with the ball. He's seeing it looks like a beach ball to him. I'm not going as far to say steroids or anything, but maybe it's just new life. When you change teams, you come back. You know, there's no pressure on him because all the focus is on A-Rod, Trey. So I guess him coming back to the New York Yankees and feeling pressure to perform is kind of overshadowed by A-Rod, don't you think? Well, I mean, it's possible, absolutely. I mean, you know, you have some of these guys who – I think are going to get uh, that rejuvenation. You know, you see Soriano. I think 
enjoying his time back at the Yankees. I mean, I think he really missed being with the Yankees, so I think that's part of it. Uh, but also part of it is this guy is just probably looking past the rest of the guys in the Yankees lineup. I mean, A-Rod is drawing so much attention, um, and not, not not in a baseball way of playing the game, but just as, you know, just everyone talks about him. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, when you have a, that kind of sideshow going on, I think teams focus on the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. And let's let's move over to the National League for a moment. The, the Dodgers today lost to the Phillies. Ryan Sandberg's first win as the skipper of Philadelphia, and, and you know their uh, their skipper was fired this week. Trey, the Dodgers, what was it? What forty two out of fifty they've won, and I don't think I've ever seen a run like this in baseball in my life. What they've been able to put together. But does this run convince you that, that that these guys are the team to beat in the National League, even though they don't have the best record? Well, I mean, I think you have – when you talk about a five-game series or a seven-game series uh, of what you might be facing, I think the Dodgers are tough. I mean, one is they have Clayton Kershaw, who may go twice in, in, in any series. I mean, the guy's got a sub-2 ERA, I mean, in the last, what, 10, 15 starts? I mean – he has been amazing. And if they can get starting pitching out of other folks, Tarvin, with some of those bats coming around, I mean, they're going to be really dangerous. I mean, it's hard to say they're the team to beat because the Braves have been so consistent to this point. Uh, and not to mention, you know, you have the, the Reds and the Cardinals who are going to be pretty fresh come postseason time because they're battling out for the division themselves. So uh, you got to like where the Dodgers are, Tarvin, but by no means uh, is it a walk in the park in the playoffs for them. Well, well I hear people you know, comparing the Dodgers to the Braves and the Braves to other teams. But a lot of the experts think the Braves do not match up well with the Dodgers because they really don't have any power pitching and, you know, finesse pitchers. In a way, I disagree with that, Trey. I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Do the Braves match up good with the Dodgers right now? Well, and the thing about the Braves, Tarvin, is is hitting. They have hitting that goes into um, a lot of guys who are very streaky I mean, from B.J. Upton to Dan Ugla, you know, to McCann, Freeman, these guys are all streaky hitters. And you never know what kind of streak they're going to be on when it comes September and October time. So, you know, I mean, can Justin Upton be consistent enough? I mean, even he's streaky. So the problem with the Braves' bats and the problem with any kind of five- to seven-game series if you're Atlanta is if you run into a buzzsaw that is Clayton Kershaw and you have to face him twice, I mean, you may have just, you know, I guess he, he may take that lumber out of, out of your hand and make it a splinter because, I mean, this guy can just shut down an offense. And so the Braves are not the, the team of the past, which manufactures a lot of runs, can sort of take that first to third and take a base here and there and steal runs here and there. They really are going off the bombs, you know, the two and three run bombs this year. So that does that's a big weakness against a power pitching team like the Dodgers. Yeah, with the Braves, it just seems like they are hit or miss. They they hit the long ball well. They're not small ball like they used to be in a way. They have some big hitters. But the good thing about them at any time, two three nothing deficits that you that you're facing can easily be erased at any time during the ball game. Oh yeah, I mean they got. Yeah, I mean they, they have, you get a guy on. I mean it seems like right now that they're going for the two run homer. Uh, you saw what with Jason Hayward in the ninth, and a, a big a big comeback for them. Uh, they eventually lost that game, but the point is, is you know that's what you're seeing with the Braves' offense right now is a lot of guys going there to the long ball. Well, just to review, just uh, just a moment, if 
case people aren't keeping up with standings, the Braves are 15 and a half games in the first place in the National League East ahead of the Nationals. Mets, the third place team with 19. But the Pirates right now, uh, 72 and 51, are in first place in the Central. One game back, the St. Louis Cardinals. Two and a half games back, the Cincinnati Reds. Looks like three teams from that division are going to make the playoffs. And in the West, yep. we have the Dodgers with a commanding seven and a half game lead tray over Arizona. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing the Arizona being able to catch these guys unless they can go on a, a cold streak, which you never know what can happen in baseball. So we move over to the American League, Boston right now, a game and a half up on Tampa Bay. That's going to be a battle between those two teams. It looks like Baltimore five games back. They could slip in there and make it a fight. But the Central, the Detroit Tigers, Trey, I think they're going to easily walk away with this division. They're seven games up on Cleveland right now, eight and a half up on Cincinnati. And the West is a two-team race. It's going to be very interesting. The Texas Rangers a half a game ahead of the Oakland Athletics, Trey, this is going to be very interesting to see who comes out of this one. I'm going to still take Oakland since I picked them preseason. Are you, are you still picking Texas? Yeah, I am. I think Texas is going to pull away. You know, the thing about Oakland, uh, they, they just don't have, to me, uh, the players who are going to be able to produce the entire season. They're a great story. They have a lot of quality players. But, you know, Bartolo Colon going on the DL and the, the season he's had, I mean, this is, an, is not a team that can afford to lose guys, I mean, even for a brief amount of time with, with how hot the Rangers are and how talented, you know, guys like, I mean, the Rangers have that front-line starter in U Darvish, and, and the Oakland Athletics really don't. So, I mean, are the Athletics going to make the postseason? Yeah, possibly. I'm not saying they're out of it, Tarvin. I'm just saying I, I, see the, I see the Rangers walking away with this division, pulling away slowly. Yeah. And, and baseball, we're still going to follow that. Even We're going to give you updates on baseball even when football starts because once football starts, it's going to be hard to squeeze anything else in, Trey. But, but let's move over real quick to the NFL, if you're ready. Dustin Keller, the, the big tight end for the Dolphins, a preseason game, Trey. A lot of people hate preseason because of injuries. And, and here we go. Dustin Keller is out for the year with a knee injury. Yeah, it's a big – I mean, I don't think people understand how big of a loss that is for the Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill is really looking is really going to look for a consistent third down possession receiver, and I'm not so sure that team has anybody, Tarvin, who really can take the rock on a, on a very key down. I mean, Wallace, who they signed in the off season, is a big play receiver, but if you ask any excuse me, ask any Pittsburgh fan uh, if they think he's consistent. And they'll say absolutely not. The guys are kind of a home run threat, and that's about it. So the problem with Miami's offense and the problem with the maturation of Ryan Tannehill is really that possession and third down guy. I'm not sure Brian Hartline is going to be enough as a two spot for the for the uh, the Dolphins. And you know, I mean, their backup is Deion Sims. Tarvin, that's not the best position for them to be in at tight end position. Yeah, Miami's hurt big time by this. And, and uh, who was it? Was it Victor Cruz tonight for the Giants went out with a, with an ankle injury, I believe? Yeah, either an ankle or a low foot injury. I, I haven't seen the yeah, latest. Foot injury. He's, yeah, I think it was a foot injury. But, yeah, yeah, yeah Victor right. Cruz, they also lost a lineman too. So, you know, these games can mean a lot when it comes down to the guys you happen to, to leave the field without. Well, I wanted to ask your opinion, and anybody out in the chat room will introduce people once people start filing in. 
What do you think about, like I was watching Hard Knocks, Cincinnati Bengals, and them scrimmaging, like going to Atlanta and for spending days there practicing. I mean, you know, Tom Brady happened to get with Tampa Bay last week gets hurt. Do you really think that's a good idea to trust another team, not to take cheap shots and to get too close to your quarterback and, and to rush your quarterback, Trey? I think it's a, a recipe for disasters that show it. Well, I mean, it's something the NFL's done for years. I mean, this is not a new or novel. Um, it's not a novel way of practice. I think you do need practice. I mean, heck, Tarvin, even in high school, I mean, you scrimmage against other high schools. I mean, so it's not uncommon. This is not a novel idea. But you're right. I mean, there is a you know possibility of injury, but you do need that different team to go against. I think it's important that you don't always hit yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I know a lot of teams do it now, but I, I just, I really don't trust it. I really don't like the fact that, the, you know, Tom Brady's out there against Tampa, and and they're not supposed to rush really. They want him to be able to throw the ball. They want Tom Brady to be able to throw to his receivers. And some of these defensive guys, you know, once that light goes on, man, they go hard, and they don't have any kind of, uh, they don't have any kind of breaks in a way. It's just I don't really trust it. Tom Brady's career could have been over. And man, it's just it's just a scary thing. But have have you been watching Hard Knocks, by the way? No, I don't. I don't have the uh, the HBO. Okay, well you cheapskate, go go order it, man. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, HBO should give me a free package, Tarvin. I mean, here we are talking about HBO. I thought you know you know the 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 show Eastbound and Down with Kenny Powers. I mean, you're in it. You're Stevie Trey. I don't know why they don't give you a free membership. <laughs> I, I think you've been looking in the mirror too much, Tarvin. Oh, good. You, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. I'm, Steve, I'm, I'm Kenny. Steve, I'm, I'm Kenny, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, oh, you, do have, you do have a pretty good beer gut, so I can't complain with that. All I need is a mullet now, man, and I'll be <laughs> I'll be good good to go. Well, just want to welcome some people in the chat room. Jason Humphrey, happy anniversary to Jason. Um, I don't know how long you've been married, but I'm sure she's ready to kick you out of the house by now. But anyway, congratulations. Jason and Sonia Minson, Jimmy Abrams in the chat room. So everybody file on in, 646-716-5564. We're about to do our breakdown of the AFC North and get into our college football talk. We're going to go to commercial. We'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt? Or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt. Well, Actionware Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. Okay, we are back and we just talked some baseball, a little NFL, but Trey Jason Humphrey said he's been married one year, man. If you can make it one, you can make it 50, Jason. Trust me. That first year is tough. So, Trey, are you ready to get into the NF the NFL breakdown here? Yeah, Tarman. We're talking we're talking about the North tonight, which is our I think our first our first or second conference, second. Tarman. We talked about it. Second, okay. Well, In the AFC, I forgot we did the West, but uh, yeah. Uh, so looking at looking at this this conference, Tarman made had two teams in the playoffs last year. The course, the Super Bowl champion, Baltimore Ravens, who won the division. And then, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers left out of the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. 
and then the five and eleven Cleveland Browns. So Tarvin, uh, you know, looking at this conference, I mean, this has been a conference that historically has gotten more than one in. I mean, Baltimore and Pittsburgh have sort of been almost annual uh, recipients of the postseason, but Cincinnati has been pretty good over the last couple of years, and in fact, have been looks like showing some progression. They won three in a row before they got in the playoffs last year. So, Tarvin, do you still see or still see two teams in the playoffs this year out of this division? I really think there could be, Trey. I, I like Cincinnati, the fact that, you know, they've been consistent, they've been together. I believe they have the same coaching staff, and, and they've been playoff contenders. They've been in the playoffs. And looking at this division, it's a good division in a way. It's, it's a competitive division, I'll put it that way. But I do think Cincinnati, and we'll see what you think, is the cream of the crop in this division right now. I, I think they have the least amount of question marks, the less amount of question marks on their team, Dre. Do you think the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Cincinnati takes another step forward this year, uh, and I'm not going to uh, sort of hold it back this year, Tarvin. They're, they're to my division champions. Uh, Tarvin, so you want to talk about Cincinnati first? Yeah, let's talk about the Bengals. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, starting off, I have the Bengals winning this division. I have them going 11-5. and five. And one of the things I really like about Cincinnati is I like the fact that, you know, they they have a strategy in, in, in getting the ball up and out of Andy Dalton's hands to really one of the best wide receivers in the game, A.J. Green. And this team added even more weapons. I mean, yeah, they got Ben Jarvis Green Ellis last year, and he, he came out and looked pretty good. But I really like Bernard, who they added uh, out of North Carolina. I mean, as a number two back, I think he's going to steal a lot of carries from Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. I think he's going to be great. I mean, look at their their receivers. They're all sort of guys who are in place, who know the system, uh, who know the route. So AJ Green and Sanu are your top one and two, and they have Hawkins and Jones behind them. So I like what they have on offense. I like the fact that Jermaine Gresham's there. He's a, he's a really consistent third down option for. Uh, the Bengals and on defense, partner. I see them getting better than they were last year. So they're my division champions at 11 to five. I think they're going to take the step forward. Uh, I think this is going to be a very difficult division, though, Tarvin. The Baltimore and Pittsburgh could easily be uh, on top this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the running game. I, I really look for Cincinnati to to take a step forward there. But what, what do you think about the tight end from Notre Dame, Tyler Eifert, that came? It looks like in the training camp and what he's doing, this guy's huge. I mean, nobody can really guard him. I'm looking for him to step up. And they also have, I believe, what is it, Jermaine Grisham from, you know, he played. So that's two tight ends, two big targets with A.J. Green. He's been banged up a little bit. I think he has a leg injury. But, Trey, what do you think about these tight ends? Well, I think, you know, this, we're in a – you know, Marvin Lewis has been here now 11 seasons for the Bengals. I think that he's the kind of guy who has progressed. He's not a guy who's been locked into a particular scheme or a particular skill set. So I think when the addition of, of Tyler Efert from North, uh, excuse me, from Notre Dame, I think you're going to see them not only be able to spread the ball down the field and around all their receivers, I think you're going to use these tight ends not only in the running game to, to block, but also to go across the middle and catch those short passes. So, I mean, this is just another weapon for this really good Bengals offense. Yeah, the Bengals, this is uh, this is Dalton's third year, and, and he's played good both years, and I think he's developing, maturing. I think the team looks at him as a leader now, and, and I really like this team to win the division, but they're not going to win it by much, Trey. Let's just go in the order. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be the second team in this division. Uh, I'm with you with 11-5, and five, but I have the Steelers going 10-6, and six, actually. 
Last year they were 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they do take a step forward, but I just don't think it's as good as Cincinnati right now. All right, so you had so just to make sure I have this down. You had Cincinnati eleven and five as well. Yep. Okay. Uh, so you have uh, ten and six for Pittsburgh. Wow, Tommy, I'm a little surprised. Uh, you know, I think Pittsburgh. I, I like some of the maneuvers they've done. I mean, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be uh, up there for Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to have a, a huge year in Pittsburgh. I mean, Jonathan Dwyer and Isaac Redman aren't exactly. Uh, real contenders to me. Uh, I like Le'Veon Bell because he can catch the ball in third down, so he doesn't need to come out of the game. So I, I, I thought Le'Veon Bell was a really, really great uh, addition to this offense. But I'm still very, I guess, concerned in Ben Roethlisberger. He's getting up in age. Uh, he's been you know, less productive over the past couple of years. Uh, Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders, are they enough? Are they enough receiving threats to keep this offense going? And there's some problems on defense with this team, too, Tarvin. They gave up some big plays last year. So I'm not so sure, Tarvin. I don't know if the Steelers are going to take it that step far step forward. I have them at 9-7. and seven. Well, that is a step forward from 8-8 eight and eight to 9-7, and seven, Trey. It's a half a step forward. Well, I'm not saying – I said not, not, as big, not as big as the 10 wins. I don't I don't have Pittsburgh in the playoffs, Tarvin, and that's, that's, yeah. that's why. I'm not sure they're ready to get there yet. Well, the reason I have him there is Big Ben. I, I think he does have a little gas in the tank. It's, it's all depending on that offensive line. How many hits is he going to take because of the breakdown, you know, of the offensive line's blocking? If they can hold up and give him some time and, and not take so many vicious, violent hits, Trey, I think Big Ben's going to pick some teams apart. I like the Steelers. I mean, I just I just love the way they play. Palomala, I mean, he's – He's a headhunter. Bale's going to have a great year. Even though they lost Mike Wallace, I still think Brown and Sanders straight are enough. I mean, with a running game like they have, I mean, this is not the Pittsburgh team of old, but I just I think they're good enough in this division to get ten wins. And I don't know about you, but the third team in this division, I think we both have it: the Baltimore Ravens. Is that who you have finishing third? Well, I have I have the Ravens finishing second at nine and seven, the same record as the Steelers, but I actually don't have um, the Ravens or the Steelers in the playoffs. I think right now I have um, – excuse me, no, I have uh, yeah, Baltimore at 9-7. I'm sorry, I was looking at something else here. But yeah, I have Baltimore the same at 9-7. I think, you know, the Super Bowl champions mm-hmm. take a step back. Um, for me, I, I'm worried about all the injuries that they – even after all of the turnover – you still have had a couple of injuries in the preseason, and, and the Baltimore Ravens just aren't a team uh, who can get there with with guys being injured. I mean, Joe Flacco with a big contract. I mean, how is he going to come out? Remember, Joe Flacco did not have that great a year in the regular season last year. He was a postseason darling, but the regular season was very mediocre. Ray Rice, I think, is going to keep sort of coming backwards. I think Bernard Pierce is stepping up. I think Torrey Smith's going to be great for them this year, Tarvin, but you know, I still think this team is gonna gonna give up a couple of wins. You know, they had or excuse me, a couple of losses. They had wins last year, so I have them at nine and seven, Tarvin. And I'm gonna put one of the Baltimore Pittsburgh in the playoffs at nine and seven, but um, I guess I'll pick Baltimore. But it's t- I think it's tough, Tarvin. I think one of those two teams can make the playoffs. Yeah, I like Pittsburgh. I just don't see Baltimore with what they lost on defense and offense. I just really don't, Trey. I, I just really think Flacco is an overpaid quarterback. He got it done in the playoffs. That's where you make the money. No, Don't get me wrong. But this year is going to be the problem is 
he's going to have to play good in the regular season. If he doesn't, he doesn't have the defensive team to get him over the hump and to protect him until he gets hot in the playoffs, right? He's going to look up, and those guys are going to be 7-9 and nine if they're not careful. I just really, the consistency of this team, they lost too much. I don't know. They they got Dumerville and uh, Matt Elam. They picked him up. I don't know how big that is. But these guys lost Ray Lewis, Anquan Bolden, Ed Reed, Pollard, Kruger, Kerry Williams. Trey, this is just too much to overcome. This is a totally different team. I don't think they have the offensive weapons to, to be able to, to compete in this division. I think they're an 8-8 eight and eight team at best. That's where I'm going to put them. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally could understand. I, I think John Harbaugh is a really good football coach, though, and there's enough talent to make him sort of get this team or will this team into the playoff. There's enough pieces there, uh, and it's really not the guys you think. I think Bernard Pierce is ready to break out over Rice's shadow. I think he's going to be good this year, you know, once Rhett Rice um, sort of lets him get some more carries, and they'll let him get more carries this year out of the backfield. Starting that both means that we have the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, finishing the division here. I mean, Rob Chudzinski is the new head coach. Carmen North Turner is the new offensive coordinator. I mean, Chudzinski coached a Pro Bowl season out of Derek Anderson. I mean, Derek Anderson was a Pro Bowler under Chudzinski. So, Carmen, I mean, is that a reason for the Browns to have uh, a glimmer of hope? I mean, they can have a – a glimmer of hope. Don't get me wrong, but they're going to be better. Last year they were five and eleven. Maybe they'll be a game better or something. But this is a team that could sneak up on some people. They just they have talent. I mean, it's all Trent Richardson. Can he stay healthy? Trade. That's a question I have. And the quarterback play. You just never get it out of these guys at Cleveland. That's that's one thing. Whedon is he going to be good enough, Trey, to to lead this team to a winning record? In the, I mean, I guess for people to respect him as the quarterback. I don't see it. I just don't see Brandon Whedon as a as an NFL quarterback. The guy's a sitting duck. He's just waiting to get hit. And I don't think the offensive line's good enough to protect him that good. So Trey, I have them finishing dead last in the division, but I would like to see them, you know, be competitive and give some teams some fits because this team does play good in their own division actually. Yeah, I mean I think the Browns are gonna take a pretty good leap up. And so um Here's the thing about, and Paul asked, do we both, both pick the Bengals? Yeah, Paul, we both picked the Bengals uh, to win this division. Tarvin picked the Steelers in the postseason as a wild card, and I kept with the Ravens uh, just to keep up with you, Paul. But I, I think I, I, I look at this Cleveland Browns team, and, and I look at a lot of young talent that they're building around. You're absolutely right, Tarvin. The huge question mark is still Brandon Eden. But if you look at the players around, they've helped build. I mean, Trent Richardson, I think, could be uh, building upon the best back in in the league. He has that kind of talent. Now, the offensive line had to get a lot better. But they actually did an okay job at times for Brandon Whedon. Now, the other part of this, Tarvin, is, is the receivers. I'm not sure Josh Gordon and Greg Little um, are really the kind of number ones. And so I think that's the other thing holding the Browns back, if they don't have a true number one. At receiver, they still need to go out and get somebody. Uh, but I think this team improves and had five wins last year. Tarvin, I give them seven, and I think they're a draft away from being in the playoffs. I totally agree with you, and this is a team that I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do this year. They're going to knock some people off this year and surprise them. But if Brandon Whedon gets going and Richardson stays healthy, you're right about Richardson. He is talented enough to be 
a top five running back in the NFL. I mean, he's a he's just a beast. He's strong. He's fast. He's determined. But you know, the beating he took at Alabama in that SEC conference, it, it just looks like Trey is still weighing on him. So it seems like we have the same order. We're just going to flip flop Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Trey. We're we're right on point there. Yeah, and just Jason Menton told me that I was crazy that. Trent Richardson has way too much ground to make up on Adrian Peterson. I, I just I just don't agree with that. I think that uh, if you get a good O line and you get a little bit of a passing attack, um, I think that that Trent Richardson can be there. I mean, he needs to stay healthy for 16 games, but I think Trent Richardson uh, has got talent. I mean, remember Adrian Peterson wasn't even your best running back going into the season last year because he was in an injury. So AP really set himself apart in last year's season. I mean, before that. Everyone talked about how Arian Foster was the best running back in the league. So, you know, Tarvin, running the best running back in the league is a debate that's had every year because it's usually somebody different. I mean, usually a running back has two or three years at the top and somebody else comes along. I'm just saying, watch out for Richardson coming along and being the guy who knocks off AP. Well, I just I just don't see Richardson able to stay healthy. I mean, it's just that's just plagued him his entire career. He's one of the most talented running backs I've ever seen. But it's just like even at Alabama, he was out a lot. He's missed, and even he played hurt, like Julio did. But I don't know if he's ready to to take over Adrian Peterson just yet. I mean, AP's in a prime condition right now, in a stage to to go off last year. Trey, I don't think AP's going to have the year he had last year. But if Richardson, you're right. If he takes a step up this year in the offensive line, protects him, and he stays healthy, he's going to be a top five running back in the NFL. Mark it down. So there's our predictions, and Trey, we're going to go to some college football if you're ready, sir. I have some news. Oh, breaking news. Break it out. Uh, that's not breaking news. That happened in the last couple of days. Um, in the SEC West, the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Auburn Tigers had some arrests, some off-the-field issues. And, and let's start with Auburn first. Gus Malzahn came over, and they, they didn't have any kind of issues, you know, We but with Chiswick. Every week there was somebody being arrested, doing something stupid, robbing people. So, you know, it just got out of hand. Demetrius McNeil, a safety for Auburn, the, he's a, one of the second lead. I think he was the second leading tackler for the team, you know, got arrested with some former Auburn players for possession of marijuana. And the charges haven't come out. They haven't released it. But Gus Malzahn cuts him from the team immediately. And I just wanted to see what you thought about that. And, and, and what I'm thinking is Gus Malzahn is trying to, to make an example of this to let everyone else know that this is not going to be tolerated at Auburn. You have to you have to put some fear in these guys, Trey. I think this was a great decision to let this guy go. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, all the Auburn Tigers have had quite a bit of off-the-field off issues. Uh, you know, and you, if you include the season that, you know, Malzahn left, uh, and was at Arkansas State. I think he needed to set a new precedent because I mean, let's, I mean, last year with so many players in the off season getting in trouble and major trouble, felony trouble. I, I think that you know, especially now, you know, there's sort of pre Aaron Hernandez and there's post Aaron Hernandez. And, and what I mean by that, Tarvin, is I think now the character issues that start to creep up when it comes into college. I think that head coaches are so worried that this kid is going to do something that that egregious, or even like with Vanderbilt where you have these rape allegations. I think the coaches are going to be cutting kids immediately 
these kids are going to have to look for a second chance at another organization. You just like had you know the new quarterback at Auburn. It's the same type of kid. He had a he had cut at Georgia, and now he's in a second chance. You're going to see a lot more kids at new schools because coaches are going to be worried. To, you know that these kids are going to be um, you know like a kid who makes a major violation, and they don't. Nobody wants to be part of that right now. So Tyron, you're going to see a lot more kids get cut, uh, get dismissed from teams sooner rather than later. Well, see, I don't, I don't have a problem with players coming back. Look at Michael Dyer. I mean, I don't think Auburn would be a good fit for him, but he, he's at least straightening it out, getting a chance to come back and play some major college football. But I think Gus Malzahn did that, Trey, because he had to to let the team know that this will not be tolerated. And it's, this is a different attitude there now with the players, with the coaches, with with the – I mean, it's just a different feel right now. And I think you have to get control. Anytime you're new, you're – you're the leader, you're coming in like a manager, you have to, like, clean house, you have to let people know the rules, and, and especially early, you have to hold them accountable. And Now let's move over to Alabama. Cornerback uh, Smith arrested and charged with driving under the influence, Trey. I haven't heard anything, you know, from Saban or anything from Alabama saying he's suspended. Have you heard anything? Uh, I thought I heard that he was dis- that Saban had dismissed him. That I, I, I was one of the Twitter... You know, rumors, but uh, if anybody in the chat room knows, um, I heard that Saban was dismissing him, but I haven't seen the official side yet. No, hold on. Sonia said it's one game. Okay. It's a one game suspension. Wow, that's so, pretty light. Yeah, and I, I think Saban also, another light one, the guy got some off the field issues, and I think, Trey, tell me what you think. Saban suspended him for a practice or two. What do you think about that? <laughs> that's pretty light. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I like Georgia's policy a little bit better, and this is where I like what, what Mark Brick does with discipline more than this. I mean, a DUI is worth four games. I mean, they have a very very uh, stringent uh, policy, on, policy on this. So I just think uh, a one-game suspension, if that is true, and like I said, I haven't seen that officially yet from anybody in Alabama, but that's that's that just that's way too light, Tarvin. I think you got to make a – you got to send a notice to these kids. I mean, I, I see some like less miles voting on it, letting them players vote for people that break the rules. I think Saban could could be more strict on these guys and you know and, and put them to the curb sometimes just to prove a point. Saban's very forgiving, and it takes a lot to you know to get suspended from games, especially major games. And you look at Urban Meyer; he's the same way. He's trying to you know to beef up his his reputation to start suspending people. So he gets people for a game against Buffalo starting the season now. But I, I do think coaches in general are way too light on these kids. I, I do believe they deserve second chances in ways, but sometimes, you know, they deserve a two or three game suspension. Like Johnny Menzel, what he's doing, if he's found guilty, I mean, you have to suspend him for a while. You have to, you can't be against, Northwestern, Sam Houston State, or somebody like that. It has to be against a team that matters. He has to to know what he missed, hurt a team, and it, he let a lot of people down. But Trey, I'm just not not real big on some of the punishments I'm seeing in college football these days. And maybe you know the guy had a misdemeanor for Auburn McNeil. He's gone. I, I, I think Malzahn just you know let him go real quick. Misdemeanors, even though it's on a team that's full of felons, really. I think that's what happened, really. And let's move over to Auburn. We're still talking about Auburn. Trey, what are your thoughts on Nick Marshall becoming the starting quarterback at Auburn and Kyle Frazier, last year's starting quarterback, is going to be starting at safety now that McNeil's gone? Well, it's funny because I I remember having a conversation about how Kyle Frazier was going to be 
the next Cam Newton last year. Uh, and we had, I don't know how many calls we had about it, Tarvin. I think you were one of the people who thought he was going to be great. But it's one of the things I like about it for you. I did. And, you know, it's, you know, it's fine. I mean, people make those kind of predictions. But, you know, Kyle Frazier moving over to safety, one says that he puts the team up himself. And so that's a great thing. Uh, that's a great thing for the team uh, and for what Gus Malzahn is setting as, as uh, you know, the standard there. Uh, the other part of that is Nick Marshall. I mean, this kid's got an enormous amount of talent. Uh, a lot of people thought that he could be even better than Johnny Manziel when he was recruited at Georgia. But this is another kid who has gotten himself in a lot of problems before being booted off Georgia's team. So this is his second chance, but he needs to make the best of it. Yeah, I think Kyle Frazier last year, we'll talk about him. I did. I was real high on him, but. You know, as a fan, you look at it, you look at the positives sometimes. You don't really see all the negatives. You didn't realize that, that the coaches lost the team during the year. You, you didn't realize how the the change of offenses from spread to, to pro style really hurt Kyle Frazier. Not having a good line there really hurt his confidence, too. And I think he would have been a great quarterback. I bet if you put him somewhere, if he could have set out one more year to come, I think he would have been very talented. But the guy's a great quarterback in high school. I just think the Auburn staff really screwed him up. I feel bad for the kid because I really liked him. But, I mean, he's a 4-4-40, Trey. He's about, what, 225, maybe 230 playing safety. And from the practice reports, it said he's a headhunter. But but I really like Nick Marshall at quarterback. I've been saying it for months. You know I have that, that Nick Marshall will be the starting quarterback. It's not even really a competition. But, I mean, the future looks good for Auburn right now. Jeremy Johnson, the big thing is, are they going to redshirt him, the guy that finished second trade? Do you think they're going to redshirt Jeremy Johnson, or do you think they're going to let him be the number two? No, I think – I mean, I, my personal thoughts is I think he should be the number two and not redshirt him. Because uh, I, I just don't – to be honest, I mean, you don't know – with a guy with integrity issues like Marshall does, you can't put your season – if you're if you're Gus Malzahn in the hands of somebody who's been booted off another team because you know, he's a he's a drug stop or a car stop away from being you know in trouble again, so got to make sure. I mean, honestly, you got you have to make sure that either if he is completely changed, then fine, but you have to make sure your team is ready to move on in case he's not. And I think that's why you don't redshirt. Well, I think you redshirt him in a way because, I mean, Trey, you got to remember, you can still redshirt and come right off the bench and jerk that redshirt off and play. He can still practice and be, you know, the third string. But if Auburn really needed it and Nick Marshall went out, they would turn to the, the freshman. I think they would pull the redshirt off of him if Auburn was having a good season. Now, if they were 3-7 and seven like last year or something, then they're not going to pull a redshirt off Jeremy Johnson. The season's over. But – but look, look for some good things right here. I think this this arrest, this uh, kicking off the team. I don't know if he'll be forever. He might come back. You don't you don't know what what's going on behind the scenes right now for this misdemeanor. But I look for the Auburn team to really take this serious and realize, hey, we get in trouble, we're gone. There's no there's a zero tolerance here. And I think some schools that's fine. Like Auburn has to have that zero tolerance due to all the issues they've had in the last three years there, three or four years. It's just been one arrest after the other. So I think sometimes if you're in a school where you never get arrested and then you have the occasional one, I guess I think it's okay to suspend them a couple of games or something. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say about this. But some arrests going on. The Arkansas Razorbacks trace some key injuries on their team, a team that's already limited anyway with some depth issues and some talent. I mean, they lose three starters really right off the bat, some for the whole season and a couple. We'll go into that 
uh, Wednesday night. Arkansas trade, they can't afford this, can they? They, they, can't, they can't afford to lose starters right now. No, they really can't. I mean, this is a team that, that desperately needs to keep their best players on the field. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to talk about them a little more once some more information comes out on it. But we're going to move to the polls real quick. I don't know if you know, Trey, but the AP poll came out this week. And, and you know, I like the AP a lot more than I do the, the coaches poll, actually. Coaches poll had Ohio State with three first-place votes. That's a problem I have with it, too. But who, you, which one do you like better, Trey, between the AP and the and the coaches poll? Well, I don't, I don't think the coaches poll is very useful. I, know, I mean, you have what, staffers making the picks for coaches and who don't even watch the games. I don't think that's very helpful. And plus, you have a lot of conference allegiance going on. So I don't think the coaches' poll is really a great poll to use for much of anything. Yeah, I think the coaches' poll is a waste of time, to tell you the truth. They asked Gus Malzahn to be on it, and he declined to, to be on this poll. But let's look at – let's start with the AP, Trey. Let's just look at this. If you look at it, I think there's five teams in the SEC in the top ten. Not surprising at all. Six out of 12. Looking at the top five, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Stanford, Georgia. What are your thoughts about that real quick? Well, I mean, I think for right now it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Alabama won. That's that's obvious. I think Ohio State's a pretty obvious too. Oregon and Stanford, I'm fine with them where they are. The one I I, I really question is Georgia at five? I, I think that's. Um, I think we're gonna, we're going to find that this year that there's one team and there usually is that was sort of an overrated top five. It's going to be Georgia Tarbin. I just don't think they're going to be in the top ten when it comes down to the year's end. Yeah, I, I have a problem. First thing I have is Georgia had received a first place vote in the AP, which is shocking to me. I, I look at this poll. I have to put Oregon at number two. I think that even with Chip Kelly gone, I still think this year, I think they're the, the cream of the crop out in the Pac-12. And I don't give much credit right now to the Big Ten. Ohio State, what is, I know they went 12-0 and last year, but we've talked about this. I think they, they could have lost three or four last year with that weak schedule. And their schedule's so bad this year, I just don't see how you can have them up this high. And another team that caught my eye in this top five is Stanford. Overrated this year. They're going to take a big step back out of the top five. They'll be about in the top 15 probably around in that area, but they're not going to be a top five when it's all said and done. Georgia, you're right. I think they take a step back this year, lost a lot of players on defense. But if you if there's anybody out there that put anybody number one besides Alabama, you haven't been watching football for a long time, Dre. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with the Alabama. But I, I disagree with Stanford. The more I, I think Stanford is going to be really good this year, I think it's uh, the the excuse me the the Pac-12 could end up having three teams in the top ten. Uh, it's possible that Oregon, Stanford, and UCLA I think are legitimately very good this year. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not I don't have an issue with them being where they are uh, based on how how well they've done over the past couple of years and, and the talent team they have. But um, Tarvin, yeah, I think Georgia and I, the other team I'm really interested in is number seven Texas A&M. I really think that that with all the stuff going on with Manziel, uh, you know, whether he plays or he doesn't play and how what kind of season they're going to have, I mean, Texas A&M is one of those teams that can really fall off the face of the polls quickly if things go wrong. Yeah, Texas A&M, to me, I think they're at least a three-loss team. They're probably a top-12 team. I look at this through the five through ten, and, and Clemson to me, they're at eight in the AP. 
I think they're better than that. I think they're probably a top five team in the preseason right now. I'd put them up a little bit. Louisville, with the addition of Michael Dyer and that schedule that they play, they return all their defensive players. Watch out for them to make some noise. Florida rounds out the top ten. Trey, I think I think number ten is just about right for Florida. I think they nailed that one. Yeah, I mean, Florida's on that top ten bubble. I mean, their season can go either way, and they got a lot of talent, but it's all riding on one guy and one arm, as we've talked about before in Jeff Driscoll. So we'll see what Florida's made up of. But, uh, Tart, I'll tell you, I think that um, you know, Notre Dame is, is probably a, a little high at 14. And I think Oklahoma State, a lot of people have them winning the Big 12. We'll have to see what, make, what they make of, of them, their season at 13. And then there's LSU. I think a lot of people have LSU in the top five. Uh, right now on their thoughts. But, you know, we'll see. I, I, I'm not so sure in terms of all the losses they had in the draft if LSU will be a top-five team by the end of this year, I doubt it. No, they. I don't think they will. I, I don't think Mettenberger's that, that quarterback, really. He, he had a, one good game last year, and it was against Alabama. Of all teams, Trey, you don't expect Mettenberger to play well against Alabama, but he did. But looking through the 15th at Texas, Trey, I don't know. I don't really like them there. I thought I don't know. I mean, it's just hard. I just don't think Mac Brown's a man at Texas. 15 might be right for them, actually, if you think about it. They went 9-4 and four last year. But the team I'm looking at, really, Michigan is 17th, Ray. I think they're just a tad better than that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think Texas might end up being better, too. I mean, Texas is my pick to win the Big 12. So I think Texas is going to have a better year. I and mean, whether they're a top-10 team, I don't know if the Big 12 winner would be a top-10 team this year. But I think, you know, you're looking at Michigan. I think they're going to make a run. I think they're going to be the ones who knock off Ohio State out of the national championship picture. Uh, so, you know, looking at that, I think they are underrated a little bit. I think Nebraska, 18th, that's about right. I think Boise State could end up being higher ranked. We'll see where they go with their schedule this year and their talent. You know, TCU is a wild card. We don't know who's going to start still. They haven't announced, Gary Patterson hasn't announced that yet. He's still trying to hold off for that first game against LSU. And then UCLA at 21, Tarver, I think they're probably the most underrated team on this board. Underrated, you said? Yeah, yeah. underrated. I think UCLA yeah. easily a top 15 team. Yeah, I think I think UCLA's got a good – got a good thing going there. It looks like all the momentum that they had, I think they're going to push it over this year. But your Florida State Seminoles at number 11 in the AP poll, what are your thoughts about that? Is it because, you know, maybe they're, they're breaking in a new quarterback that they're – at 11 right now? Well, they lost a lot of guys to the draft. I mean, they had a lot of guys going in the first round. You have a, a, a brand-new quarterback who's extremely young. He's a redshirt freshman. I mean, he's battling it out with Jacob Coker, and they, nobody's announced the starter yet. I think we all assume that it's going to be Winston, but, I mean, this is a redshirt freshman. He has the buzz about him to be the next great thing, but – you know, there's a lot of guys to come in at a very young age who are the next great thing. So Florida State had a lot of buzz, uh, optimism. But, you know, until they play Clemson and until, you know, if Winston is the guy, until he beats Clemson, then the Nobles are right where they should be, Tarvin, at 11. Um, and just to recap real quick, just to go over South Carolina, Trey, they're positioned somewhere at number six in the AP poll. Is that too high for them, really? Is that is that too high for them in the East right now? Uh, you know, I don't think so, Tarvin. I mean, I, I don't know when we're going to talk about, you know, who we have for favorites. But South Carolina is a dark horse, really popular pick for me right now, looking at whether I'm going to pick South Carolina to be in the national championship game. I think they're that good. 
uh, tournament. So I think six is a right right around that great move spot to move on up. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is I'm gonna take a picture of this, Trey. We'll take a picture of of you know everything that we see here in the preseason, and we're gonna take a picture at the end of the season. It's just it's just gonna be very difficult for these to hold form. Alabama, and I know you won't pick them yet. Everybody has them winning the championship. Does that concern you? If you're a Bama yeah, fan, yeah, I mean, it's hard to run um, the entire season starting number one and stay number one throughout the entire season. I think it's been done three times in the history of college football. So it's not it's not as if just it's the easiest thing to do. Uh, now, one of the things I like about Bama this year, and I tell you, had the off season gone differently. I would be all over Bama being, uh, you know, sort of a paper tiger this year and being a very, very great team, but not being a favorite. But it's hard when you're number one competition this year in Texas A&M and the team that was supposed to take a step forward as a quarterback who might not be on the field. So Bama looks even stronger this year, to be honest, even than last year, Tarvin. So I, I have a, a tough time not picking them to win a national championship because they may face, uh, you know, a depleted LSU team. Uh, Texas A&M without Manziel, they don't really face anybody tough in the the East, really, and so you know they have a really easy schedule when it comes to an SEC team. Yeah, they do. They miss a lot of the teams in the East, and even Virginia Tech's not a, a tough out of conference opponent. They have a lot of people out right now, and you look at it, it's going to be tough to beat them. I don't think Texas A&M could beat them with two Johnny Manziels this year, especially after beating them last year. So we'll see. When we come back, we're going to preview real quick the UCLA Bruins out of the Pac-12. We're going to go to a commercial break. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea. We'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. And Trey, just uh, I just saw your message, by the way. Just saw it. But um, what I'm hearing now is Wallace is going to be the second string at Auburn and looks like they're going to redshirt Johnson. So just to let you all know that, we were just talking about that. So, Trey, a team that, that you're high on right now is the UCLA Bruins. And the call-in number here, if you'd like to weigh in with us, 646-716-5564. Trey, we're almost here to college football season, less than two weeks away. A team that, that you like a lot, the UCLA Bruins. Talk about them real quick. Yeah, I mean, last year, Tarvin, I mean, UCLA, you really can't um, complain about the 9-5 and five season last year. They won a lot of games that I think folks didn't give them a lot of credit for winning. So uh, this team uh, went into um, really the, the Pac-12 championship, and they had a shot. They lose it by three. Uh, so they could have been in the Rose Bowl, and then they lose to Baylor uh, in the, the Education Holiday Bowl. Uh, really kind of got blown out So to the Baylor Bears, which was not a way they wanted to end their season. They really they wanted to get to that 10 wins. But they're building a really, really, really good foundation for uh, the SEC style. And their quarterback, Tarvin, is ranked as the number two prospect in, the, in all of the country for quarterbacks going into the season in Hunley. So, Tarvin, that's why I like UCLA. They play a good physical defense. They're built strong. Uh, they're built to, to 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 hold people down, and they have a quarterback who is the second-rated guy in the country. So that's why I like UCLA so much, Tarvin. 
I like them because of, of, of Mora, the coach, but I like them because they have, what, four of their linemen returning, three or four of them, actually. And that's what I like to see is when a team has their offensive line back, their quarterback, uh, they do return a senior receiver in Evans. I just like their style. I like the attitude Mora's bringing to them. And they're actually playing defense sometimes, Trey. A Pac-12 team, I know it's crazy to say, but this Pac-12 team can tackle, actually. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They certainly can. And, you know, look at let's start that schedule off, Tarvin. And they start off with Nevada. Um, Nevada was 7-6 and six last year, the 11 returning starters. They're not going to be good enough to beat UCLA, uh, you know, in the whole offseason. So UCLA gets by um, Nevada. They have an off week, Tarvin. And then they go at Nebraska. So I think this game is going to be really a tone setter for, for the UCLA Bruins traveling to Nebraska and uh, Nebraska, even if they're a mediocre team, will play really, really good in Lincoln. Yeah, this is the game that's really going to, like you said, set the tone for them. Last year, UCLA beat Nebraska in the sunny state of California. Will they go to Lincoln now and beat them? That's the question. I think they could. Early in the year, I, I really think they could, they could run the football, actually. They do return some, some big defensive players on that team, a lot of seniors. Trey, I do like UCLA to pull the upset off in this game early in the season. Yeah. You know, I, I do think this game is going to be really tight. I think Nebraska holds serve at home. Uh, I don't think it ends up hurting UCLA because it's not going to be a Pac-12 loss. I, mean, I don't think UCLA is going to be in the national championship picture anyway. But I think this game, I think Nebraska is going to win it by a very, very tight margin. I have Nebraska win this game in a score of about 28 to 27. That's going to be razor close. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. But like you said, Nebraska usually doesn't lose there. And then September 21st trade, New Mexico State. We're not even going to talk about that one. Do you even want to talk about Utah? Going to Utah October October 3rd for UCLA. Any chance Utah can pull this off? And Utah is going to be okay, Tarvin. They have, they have six guys on each side of the ball returning, but, but not for a Pac-12 team that's as good as UCLA is. Uh, coming off uh, a bye week, week before UCLA gets it done at Utah. Yeah, I have no confidence in Utah. Terrible team there. Um, the next week, October 12th, home against California. Oh. Well, it was a 43-17 to 17, uh, loss last year, Tarvin. I mean, yeah, this is a uh, a redemption game. So, I mean, last year they lost to a terrible, terrible Cal Bears team, uh, and they got blown out. So, I think UCLA gets a lot of redemption this year at home in the Rose Bowl, and they take it out on California and they give it to what California gave to them last year, 43-17. Yeah, I like I like UCLA big in this game. And then we'll see, Trey, at Stanford, big game October 19th. Yeah, I mean, they lost two games last year to Stanford. The first one uh, at home, 35-17, to and they played much tougher, uh, actually, on the road against Stanford mm-hmm. uh, by three points. I think that this game is going to be – this is going to really set the tone for the entire Pac-12 and who wins the Pac-12. I like Stanford at home, Tarvin, but very, very close. This is going to be a tight game. But I give I give, uh, I give, I give, Stanford a slight edge right now. Who did I pick, Trey, when we were previewing Stanford? Did I pick UCLA in this game? You know, I don't remember, Tarvin. Uh, Paul, I think I did. Down? I think I did pick them, but – but here's the deal. I'm not big on Stanford this year, and, and I'm one of the only few. So if I'm right on this, then I'm going to be a genius. So 
I like UCLA on the road here. That's two big road wins for them early in the year uh, at Nebraska and then at Stanford. I like it, Dre. Yeah, so that, that's that's two well, uh, two big games, and then you know for for excuse me for UCLA Tarvin, they drew the worst side of the other division, and then they go they have to go at Oregon the very next week, and that's a murder murderer row for UCLA. I, I think UCLA loses this one as well. It's their third loss and their second in the Pac-12, uh, but I think for UCLA, I think it's still going to be okay. But you know, I like Mariota in this game. I think this is going to be a shootout up in Oregon, so I got Oregon winning this game. Uh, another tight one, though. I think, I think UCLA is going to play a lot of games tight this year. Yeah, you know, one thing about this, Oregon has struggled in the past against physical teams. UCLA is physical, but I just don't think they're athletic enough, really, to go on the road to Eugene and win this game. They can't win them all, and Oregon's going to put a whipping on them, Trey. I like Oregon big in this game. Yeah, uh, so that I guess it's uh, past Stanford, Carvin, so or she past Oregon and Stanford, uh, Colorado at Arizona. Uh, I think your win for UCLA, Tarvin. You think anything different against that, that Saturday Arizona game? Arizona could be could be tricky. That's a game. That's a game I'd look at, but I'm gonna still pick UCLA in those two. All right, so that gets us to uh, the home game against Washington. I think Washington's gonna be one of the most improved teams in the Pac-12, but they're not going to win a whole lot of games against really top teams on the road. So I have UCLA winning against Washington at home. I'll tell you, Tarvin, I have Arizona State losing as well the next week at home. Uh, so I have them going into the USC game um, with three losses. Yeah, I'll, I'll, so you have them Washington, you have them beating Washington? I have them beating Washington, yep. See, that's a team right there that it's going to be close. Washington's going to be improved this year. I have them slipping up against Washington, Trey, in this game right here at home. They're going to be at home, and Washington's going to come in and take care of business there. And then I think they beat Arizona State, but I just don't see them going to Southern Cal in a rematch game after last year's the way they beat them. I think USC gets it done in this one, Trey. Yeah, yeah, I, I disagree, Tarvin. Obviously, this is a 10-point win for UCLA. I think UCLA is going to run their side of the Pac-12 and get into the Pac-12 championship again, even with two losses. I think that's going to be enough. So I think uh, they beat USC on the road. I got UCLA at 9-3. and three. Trey, you're getting attacked in the chat room, man. I know, man. I, you know, it's, it's about time. I mean, people come after me. But, you know, I don't, I don't see other people's uh, taking the – Taking this uh, and saying what their their thoughts are, they're just saying, "Hey, that's, that's a dumb picture." Eh? Uh, but yeah, Hunley, guys, guys, Hunley is the real deal. Take a look at this quarterback uh, on all the draft boards. He's the number two overall. Uh, this guy is going to be very, very good in the Pac-12. Well, yeah. Their defense still legitimate. Uh, this team returns, by the way, uh, seven on offense, six on defense. That's pretty good, Tarvin. So you feel it's all right. Nine and three isn't the greatest year anyway, Tarvin, but. Nine and three is a pretty good season for UCLA. Yeah, I have them nine and three as well, right in that ballpark. I, I think they're capable of, of beating some teams that they shouldn't, but they're also capable of losing. And let me ha- say hey to some people in the chat room real quick. We have the artist formerly known as the scorekeeper, Roger Noriega, in the chat room. Bruce Coward is with us. Brian Burgess, the the LSU homer, I guess you could trade calls him. I don't know. Chris Alderson, the big Longhorn. Jason Humphrey from the Oregon Ducks. 
we got Jason Minson, the angry gopher trade. Jason is fired up for some gopher football this year. He thinks they're going to make a bowl again. Jimmy Abrams, Bama fan, Justin Hawk, Lacey Key, a big Auburn fan, Paul Ewing, the Gators. We're represented well tonight. Sonia Minson, Roll Tide. And we got a lot of people in this chat room with different teams, Trey. That's what I like about it. We have a lot of different points of view. Bruce Cowher's a big ball fan. Go Orange for him. And um, nine and three, Trey. Nine and three. I think that's a realistic for UCLA. Would it be a disappointment for them to go nine and three and more? What he's trying to do. You know, I don't. I don't think so. I think if they if they go nine and three, based on the way the, the way I have it all playing out, they'll be in the Pac-12 championship game. And I think any time you can get to the, a championship game in a big conference, and let's be honest, the Pac-12 is clearly the number two conference in all the land behind the SEC, I think that's pretty darn good, especially when you're getting there instead of USC. Yeah, and we have a caller on the line, 541 area code. I think I know who this is. You're all way in sports. Hey, Ryan, it's me, Jason, um, here to talk about UCLA. I'm from the Pac-12. Um, I got used to a nine and three second in the south behind USC. So. Okay. So, so any any chance of them going to Eugene and upsetting your ducks? You say going in to the loudest place in the country? No. What? No. Ooh. No. Well, it's it's I, loud. You ever been in Austin? It is so loud. You got fifty six thousand people. Screaming down on you, and it's loud. And everyone. How many? How many people? How many people? Fifty-six thousand. Fifty-six thousand. Fifty-six thousand. That's right. Come on, come on, Jason. I have more people at church than that, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean that's, a, that's hey, right. You ever come up here? Come to Austin Stadium. You know what I'm talking about, but. I I want someday them to build it to like eighty thousand or whatnot, but it won't happen, not yet. So, but, wow. But okay. I am my home. So, yeah. Well, I just want to say so, happy anniversary to you, Jason, and uh, and thanks for calling in, buddy. Tell your wife thanks for letting you listen in tonight, Trey. That's a dedicated fan, one year anniversary, tuning into the show. Yeah, man. Hey, congratulations on the anniversary. But I gotta maybe they're celebrating tonight, Tarvin, because saying that Oregon is the loudest stadium is 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 you're, they're definitely celebrating with some sort of spirits because there is no way Oregon is the loudest place in the country. No way. I've been to a lot of them, and and I remember that Auburn Florida game, uh, the Auburn LSU game back in two thousand four. I mean, it was deafening, but I also went to Baton Rouge for a night game that started at about 9.30 at night, and that was, guys, that was everything is advertised was going to Baton Rouge. What a great place to go see a game. I mean, before the game trade, the fans were awesome, but after that game started, they weren't so nice. They didn't want to feed you. They wanted to hit you over the head with a beer bottle. But, you know, I have to give it to right now through my experience Tennessee and LSU are crazy loud. I have been in Tuscaloosa for a couple of games, but it was the games that, that were blowouts, really. So you can't really get a, a a grasp of how big the crowd is or how loud it's going to be, Trey, unless they're playing a big-time opponent. Well, I mean, here's, here's my point. There is actually, guys, there is actually a way to judge the loudest stadium. Um, they do do decibel level, uh, you know, tests. 
at all the stadiums, and I'm pretty sure, and somebody, maybe Paul can get on our on this on the, on the chat room for us, and I'm pretty sure the loudest stadium on record is LSU uh, for decibel level. So, uh, Paul, they had an earthquake real quick. They had an not, earthquake not game. Yeah, they had an earthquake game. It actually registered as an earthquake. So, now I think LSU is probably going to be the top. Uh, I would guess the slump probably second, uh, just just based on uh, my, my understanding of it. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Paul can look it up for us. He's going to give us some scientific data to, to quiet the crowd, if it would, Tarvin. But I, I would go LSU or Florida and clear number one. Yeah. I've never been to Florida, but from what I hear, but my experiences are LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, I mean, those are very loud places. And it, when you've been to so many Auburn games like I have, you're going to have games where it's just crazy. I mean, the crowd's just going crazy, especially when you're playing LSU, Florida, Bama, Georgia, teams like that year in and year out. You can't get some, some earthquake noise there, but I don't, I don't think anybody can touch LSU, guys. That, that place is so big and so loud. Those fans are crazy. But, Trey, let's move on to the uh, the Big 12 this is a. I think both of us will probably be on the same page tonight, but nobody's really talking about the Oklahoma State uh, <clears throat> Cowboys, Trey. Well, you know, uh, there are a lot of people. If you look at a lot of people, experts' opinions, Oklahoma State is by far the most predominant um, champion out there that I've seen. Uh, I don't have them as the champion of the Big 12, Tarvin, but I think they're going to have a better year than they had last year. They were. Um, I think overall they were what nine, eight and five, eight and five last year. I think they're definitely going to be improve on their schedule from last year. I and mean, this is a very talented football team for sure. Uh, but you know, winning the Big Twelve, Tarvin, what do you think? They got ten offensive starters coming back. And that's pretty darn good. And eight on defense. So a lot of guys returning for the uh, the Cowboys. Well, Trey, one thing that concerns me when I and I do probably have the Oklahoma State Cowboys up there in the Big Twelve, but the defense, man, is so bad. When I watch them play, it just it makes me nauseated. If you sit here and watch teams that hit each other and they tackle, to put your faith and trust into a team that just runs a, a spread offense of some sort and they just hurry it up and throw it all over the field, that offense, no doubt about it, is one of the best in the country, one of the toughest to stop. But that defense worries me. And when you play a team like Texas that has athletes on the defensive side of the ball, that can get some pressure on the quarterback and stop that running game. That's where Oklahoma State tends to, you know, struggle, Trey. Last year they lost to Texas. They were at home. And let's see, who else did they lose to? They lost to Arizona by 21 on the road early in the season. That was a shocker. They lost to Kansas State on the road last year. They lost to Oklahoma So just and, and Baylor. So it looks like this team can win at home, but they just can't. They can't win on the road. So let's look at their, their schedule, Trey, and see how many of those road games they're going to be able to survive. Carmen, before we get back to Oklahoma State, I got some, some – Sonia has produced uh, a top ten list of a lot of stadiums, uh, and we're talking about decibel levels. Uh, just, just go through this real quick. I know we're getting sidetracked, but Sanford Stadium, Georgia, number 10. Lane Stadium for Virginia Tech, number 9. Memorial Stadium for Clemson, 8. Camp Randall in Wisconsin with the crazy stomping at number 7. Wow. Uh, Newland Stadium, number six for Tennessee. Happy Valley, number five. Uh, four is the Austin Zoo for Oregon, so they came in at four. Three is the Swamp. Two is the Horseshoe. And number one, Death Valley in Clemson. That's a decibel level scale. So 
Uh, tell her right. Well, hold on. Yeah, I, have to, I have to say, who did, where, where did this list come from? Who who wrote it? A blog or a Bleacher Report Big Ten person or something? No, no. This is a this is a decibel level thing. Okay. Well, I mean, look, I've been to Georgia a lot to their games, and I'm not buying them at number ten. But the Swamp, I'm buying that. I've never been, but from what I hear, Ohio State really number two. Mm. Death Valley, I agree with. This is what I'm hearing from people that's been Neyland Stadium. I'd probably put them up a little higher. Camp Randall, at night game, maybe if they ever do get to play a game at night. Clemson, number – I just don't know, Trey. I just – I'd like to look more into this list and and really really who they were playing during this time. But if you want to look at a consistent level of loud, not just one game where, where everybody came together. So this is off decibels, right? This is the loudest it's ever been. Is that what they're doing? I don't know if I've ever been. I, I, I'll tell you, I'm, there's there's someone here that I do find a little bit, you know, surprising just based on the crowd noise. I can tell you Virginia Tech is crazy. Um, I, I can buy that. Georgia is kind of the, the, the stretch. I agree with you on that one. Clemson, man, yeah, Clemson gets up there. Camp Randall with all the stomping and the stadium moving. I, I can I can, I can understand why that's loud. you got Neyland Stadium. Happy Valley, you know, that one's, that one's a head scratcher at number five. And then uh, – Number two, the horseshoe. Yeah, you're right. I'm a little surprised they're that high up there, but the rest of them, that all makes sense to me. Yeah, Jason said, "Come on, Tarvin. Sonny doesn't pull crap from the crap from the Bleacher Report." Yeah, he's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get back on to our preview tray, and uh, thanks for for putting that out there, Sonya. I didn't even realize it was Sonya, but the first game it's going to be a challenge for Oklahoma State playing against Mississippi State out of the SEC tray, and I think this is on a neutral territory, right? This is at Reliance Stadium in Houston, Texas. So, I mean, neutral by theory, but, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Oklahoma State should have a home full advantage coming down from Oklahoma. Mississippi State coming across, I mean, we'll see who's got the better advantage there. It could be about 50-50, I guess. But this could this is a tough game for them. I I'll tell you, Tarvin. I, I Mississippi State uh, got exposed last year when they played quality competition, and I think Oklahoma State is quality. Uh, so I got Oklahoma State winning this game. Yeah, I have Oklahoma State beating them probably by three touchdowns with that offense. I just don't think Mississippi State's going to be able to stop them many times. And I mean, even though Russell was it Russell Wilson or what, what's the guy's name Tyler Wilson or something for Mississippi State, he's actually a good quarterback. He'll be able to to find some holes in that Oklahoma State defense, but I just don't think they have enough to beat Oklahoma State the first game of the year. I'm going with the, the Cowboys actually. And then there's the yeah, just you you and I as well, the UTSA Roadrunners, Tarvin. Uh, this team was eight and four last year and returned 19 starters. Uh, they have any shot to win in the Alamo Dome? Who is UTSA? <laughs> UTSA, baby. No, I don't. I don't think so, buddy. Uh, and the, I don't. The Roadrunners don't scare you. Not really. Not 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 since I was a child. No. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. Uh, but both this game and then the next game against the Lamar Cardinals. That's right, Lamar Cardinals. <laughs> Uh, is it going to be? Are there going to be wins? They're going to be big wins. Hold on, I got to stop for a second, guys. I have to stop. We, you hear so many people dogging conferences about their out of conference schedules and 
when I see Lamar on a schedule, I know a guy named Lamar. That's the only thing I've ever heard of that name. But when you're playing Lamar and the Roadrunners, UTSA Roadrunners, man, come on. I mean, really, you're going to talk about other people's strength of schedules out of conference. Just by playing those two games, Trey, puts them down at the bottom in my mind. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I, there's, I mean, don't don't cast too many stones there at Auburn, Tarvin. But uh, you know, I mean, because Lamar might actually be on your guys' schedule next year. Who knows? But, you know, <laughs> I hope. <let's, laughs> uh, but you're, you're right. These are, these are two games that are that are that are just jokes. Um, so that, that puts them at three and zero in an open date, and then they travel for their first Big Twelve opponent, Tarvin, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Who started off last year with Geno Smith? They were gangbusters. They're going to be win the Heisman, make the make the BCS game. Oklahoma State blew out West Virginia last year, fifty-five to thirty-four. So I think they're going to go on the road and they're going to beat them again. I think West Virginia is going to be even worse than they were last year. Yeah, I, I, I agree totally with you. West Virginia lost their quarterback. Enough said. They lost their receiver. Enough said. So Oklahoma State goes off and gets a road win. In conference play, start off one and zero. Yeah, so I guess both both have them at four and zero. Then, so let's talk about. Um, let's move on to the Kansas State Wildcats at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, that's a great name for a stadium, by the way. Boone Pickens. Uh, Kansas <laughs> State is not going to be the team they were last year. Uh, they're going to lose this game. Oklahoma State rolls. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Kansas State, no match for them this year. Um, and then trade, they get a bye week finally after those, or actually this is their second bye week after playing tough Lamar and UTSA, and now they get to host TCU. What are your thoughts on that? TCU is going to be a tough opponent for them. This is probably going to be the toughest opponent they they, they face to date. Uh, I like the fact that Oklahoma State gets the off week before they play them and the fact that it's in Stillwater. Uh, that, that gives me uh, confidence that Oklahoma State will have the edge here. But this game is going to be their first real tough game, probably by less than three. Yeah, I think they'll beat TCU just because it's at home. And remember, Oklahoma State, they don't lose at home, really. So they they play tough there. TCU, if this was on the road, I would think something else. But uh, yeah. the October 26th is a team trade. It's kind of sneaky sometimes. Iowa State, when they play at home, tends to, to beat the teams. I think you remember when they beat them a couple years ago and put Alabama into the national championship game. But Iowa State, they have to go roll into Iowa State. Any chance we see the same result as we did in, what was it, 2011? Yeah, I think if this were a Thursday night game, Tarvin, I would really start questioning Oklahoma State. I'll tell you, this is this is absolutely a trap game, though, because the next game they're going on the road again. So it's, it's two straight road weeks. And anytime in, the, in anytime in college football that you travel twice in a row, you know, it, there's always there's especially it's always tough when you have guys who are really tricky at home. And Iowa State's tricky at home. Tarvin, I, th- I think this game could be could be a loss. I'm, I'm not going to pull the trigger, but I'm not surprised if Iowa State takes them down. I'm going to move uh, Oklahoma State on, but man, this Iowa State Cyclones team, I would. They might mm-hmm. need them. Yeah, I'm with you 110% on that. I'm not ready to pull the trigger yet, but you have to watch it because the next week, November 2nd, you know how November gets. If Oklahoma State's undefeated, Trey, those November games get these teams very tight, especially teams that's not used to being in that position, really. At Texas Tech, 
Tommy Tuberville left for dinner. He left dinner and went and coached the Cincinnati Bearcats, which Johnny Manziel's buddy, Kingsbury, actually is coaching Texas Tech now, Trey. So any chance Texas Tech can pull off the win at home because if Oklahoma State's vulnerable, they're vulnerable on the road, and I think Texas Tech can get it done. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Texas Tech is, is a possibility of getting it done. Again, this is the second straight road win, a road game. But, you know, Texas Tech, to me, I'm not so sure that they, they don't take even a further step back from last year. They need time. I mean, Kingsbury is exciting uh, coming back to Texas Tech. I think they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't beat this year. Maybe it's this game, Tarvin. But, to me, I just can't pull the trigger on this one either. So, I'm going to take Oklahoma State as well. Not so fast, my friend. This is an upset yeah, right here. <laughs> Texas Tech is going to pull the upset off, and November is going to be tough for Oklahoma State. Not saying they're not going to win their conference, but I just think this is a game. November it gets tied. I think Texas Tech has the offense, and they play defense too. So I like Texas Tech to get it done. Texas Tech's not going to have a great season by no means, but they'll be a team that can sneak up and beat some teams. And that takes us to November 9th. They host Kansas, Trey. That's an upset, right? Yeah, and that's a no-brainer. Oklahoma State moves on. To add yeah. Texas, I'm, this is their first loss in my book. I think Texas gets them. I have Texas winning this conference. So uh, they lose to Texas, uh, and that's their first loss. Yeah, I like Texas on this as well. It's a road game for Oklahoma State. And I, I still think Oklahoma State can win this conference with two losses. But I don't know. It's going to be tough. It will probably be a tie, and Texas will probably take it. But I like Texas because – after studying Oklahoma State and just looking at their tendencies, it's, I've kind of changed my, my opinion on them, you know, in the last few months just looking at them. I don't think they can go on the road and beat Texas. And I think by this time Texas should be improved, Trey, and or they're going to be hitting rock bottom. I'm not going to say that right now, but I think they win this game. And November 23rd, Baylor comes into Oklahoma State. Uh, a little revenge on their minds, right, Trey? Yeah, I think they will, but I, I think that would not lost. Texas, I think even though they, they lost at Floyd Casey Stadium last year in Waco, I, I think this is another loss. I think Oklahoma State stumbled again, even though they're coming home. I know they're tough at home, but I think Baylor is going to be one of those tricky teams again, like they were last year where they get really hot by the end of the year because their talent level is sort of meshing. So I have them losing to Baylor as well. So you have Oklahoma State losing to Baylor, and, and that's yep. a player to look at is Lachey Seastrunk, guys. He's He's getting some whispers of Heisman talk, and I, I really like this running back. He is an explosive guy. He was at Oregon, if you remember, if everybody. He left with all the allegations and cheating Oregon was doing. Jason Humphrey knows all about that. But a guy getting a second chance to come down and do some, some good stuff. I don't think Baylor's going to beat him in Oklahoma State, Trey. I'm not going to pick that one. And that takes us to December 7th. Is that a, another bye week, Trey? Is that their third bye week in this season? Yeah, yeah, it is. So they get another another bye week, and then they get to face at home Oklahoma. Tarvin, I think they get Oklahoma. I think this is one of those games that last year this was a, a loss in overtime in in Norman. So I think this year, and this has been one of those series that has, has sort of flip-flopped. Oklahoma State has played Oklahoma very good over the last couple of years. So I think when they're at home, they, were, they, they get some revenge against the Oklahoma Sooners and they actually win this game. Yeah, I like Oklahoma State to take care of business in this one as well, which that's going to put them at 10-2 and two in my opinion. I could see them anywhere from 8-4 and four to 10-2. and two. 
I think, give or take, you know, I, I think that's where I put Oklahoma State. Is it going to be good enough to to win the Big 12 trade? I don't think you think so. You have Texas winning it. I think there's going to be a tie for this, and, and I'll go back and recalculate some stuff. But I, I think they're going to lose two games, and one of those is going to be to Texas. So. Yeah, and that's, that's the tiebreaker I have, Tarvin. I think Texas is going to go two losses as well. But because they lose to or they beat Oklahoma State, I think that's where I get Texas in. So I got ten and two as well, Tarvin. Um, but Tarvin, I want to give you a little knowledge that, that Paul has passed along in the chat room. This is the, the loudest stadium in history from, I guess, ESPN is the Washington Huskies at 135 decibels. It's pretty loud. Yeah, that is loud. Sonia wants to know when we're going to discuss some teams that really matter. She's right. I mean, Oklahoma State's going to win their conference probably or come close, but, you know, they're not going to matter at the end of the day. UCLA, the same thing. But I want to talk about a story. You know, we talk about the NCAA trade, how some of their stupid rules, you just don't understand them. And this former Marine, Stephen Rhodes, I don't know if you've heard this, um, asked the coaches at NTSU if he could walk on. They said, yeah. The NCAA says no. I don't know. Have you heard about this, Trey? Yeah, I have. Uh, This is uh, a terrible, terrible, terrible black eye on the NCAA yet again. You have a Marine who played intramurals and why he was in the Marines, and somehow the NCAA has decided that somehow matters. I just, I just can't, can't fathom the story and fathom the NCAA at this point. Yeah, I mean, this guy actually, you know, graduated. And the rule is, if you after high school, if you if you don't, you know, enroll in college within a year, Trey, that's when all this stuff started. He went to serve his country in the Marines, and he, he played some wreck football there. It's like a pickup football game is really how you describe it, like a wreck league or something. Something, And, and this rule is going to keep this guy from being able to play right now. I think this is such bull. I think they need to revamp the entire NCAA rule book and, and look at it. And I mean, I, I understand rules have to be in place, Trey, because people abuse them if they're not, but – Look, if you're the NCAA and you see this, you rule in favor of this kid. He served your country, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, how how does this uh, equate to not being eligible? I have no idea. Uh, I don't know how the NCAA doesn't use common sense when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's just this is why I think, and we haven't talked about it a whole lot, but this is why that Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, and just to get into this, Tarvin, for a little bit, the NCAA could be on the way completely out uh, because you have the SEC who's very unhappy with the NCAA. They want to pay their players. So we'll start with, you know, the risk there that I mean, if the SEC breaks off, I mean, then, then, you know, that's it for the NCAA. And you have, you know, so you have that. And then you have this lawsuit. And it, this lawsuit is so big, Tarvin, that all these conferences are pulling out of their deal with EA Sports. So there will never be, at least at this point, Another college football, you know, there's not going to be any more of that because now all these schools are pulling out of their likeness. And they're in the SEC just actually just told EA Sports they will not renegotiate them letting them the, the use the SEC logos and the SEC names. So, I mean, that's where that's where the confidence in the NCAA is, uh, especially at the SEC level right now. Yeah, the NCAA, they, they need to go into that rule and, and have a clause, say, like, here's a rule that – 
getting a lot of background noise. I had to stop there for a minute. But here's the clause. But here's the military clause, too. If, if a kid leaves high school and, and he goes for four years or whatever into the military and he comes out, he should be able to go anywhere he wants to. And this is what I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about. The NCAA is taking three years, four years to try to investigate Miami. They hammered Penn State, did all this stuff. I just don't understand. I think, I think they're wanting people to disassociate themselves from the NCAA and leave them because they're doing some stupid things right now. And it just seems like the slam dunk cases are the ones that's not getting slam dunked. And, and you see something like this. College football is about the kids. It's about getting these kids a chance to better themselves, to play a team sport, keep them out of trouble, possibly a few go to the NFL. But, Trey, the NCAA rules are, are not written in favor of the players, really. And this is what it's about. It's about the kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just thought I'd throw that out there. But, oh, Bannon, I don't, I don't know what all is going to happen, you know, with all of that. But we'll follow that. But I want to move over, Trey, real quick to Clowney right now. Reading about him in the scrimmages right now, nobody can stop this kid. I mean, he's a beast, don't get me wrong, but, but how are teams going to block him during games? Are you going to think two or double, triple teams going to stop him? How do you stop Clowney if you're an opposing offense? Well, I mean, Clowney got blocked last year, Tarvin. I mean, it's not as if Clowney was unblockable. And, in fact, in that Michigan game, he got dominated for part of that game. So, uh, you know, Clowney is blockable. Uh, we'll have to see how motivated he is this year. Uh, that's going to be the big question, if he has to stay healthy and he has to stay motivated the entire year. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he's blockable, Trey, when he doesn't want to be. I think he's gotten bigger, he's gotten faster, stronger, more confidence. I really do think he's unblockable, and unless you have two or three on him. And you saw what Nick Fairley did in years when they were double, triple team and holding him. If a guy wants to get through like Clowney, he's going to be able to get through. And I just wanted to throw that out there, see what the chat room says. Uh, if you want to call in, 646-716-5564. We have just a couple more minutes left. I wanted to throw that out. And, Trey, I just wanted to know real quick, are you ready for your rant? Yeah, Tarvin, I, I am. Um, it, yeah, whenever you're ready, I guess I'll say. Well, I'm ready. Let's close it out and let's get your rant over with. <laughs> over with? My, maybe I'll rant on you tonight, Tarvin. You, you, you know what I meant. <laughs> well, Tarvin, my rant tonight uh, is is really back on, and you kind of you kind of touched on it, is the NCAA. Uh, it was going to be this Marine story. Now, the fact that the NCAA doesn't use their brain or doesn't uh, take into account that you have a player who's serving his country, you know, how if you call it an NCAA, if looking at their perspective, I mean, you have a guy who played intramurals while he was in the military. I don't know in any which way this should be any way disqualifying from him playing in the NCAA. It's not as if, um, <laughs> for those people who know, the intramurals in the, the military are anything different than they are in any other, any other place that you play intramurals. It's something that these squadrons do. You have squadron teams or unit teams or division teams, whatever you want to call it. And so this guy's played on that, and now he's disqualified from being in the NCAA. I think that's just ridiculous. Okay, good rant. Well, I want to give a small rant, if you want to call it that. It's, I'm tired of, of hearing fans in the NFL teams actually putting so much stock in these preseason games like – 
you know, say Dallas lost a team, now they're how are they going to win the East, guys, and and just stuff like that, Trey. How much emphasis are people going to put on preseason games? That's the that's the problem I have. Well, they put uh, they put a lot of stock in that all the time. I mean, it's not uncommon for um, any. I mean, heck, all we hear about on ESPN is how the Cowboys are struggling in the preseason. I, you know, I don't care about the preseason at all. I, I think it's just it's a it's, it's a misnomer. The, the preseason doesn't matter a whole lot because you know Tony Romo plays three series and then all of a sudden you hear the headlines of the Cowboys had five turnovers. Well, Romo didn't have any of them. So I mean the fact that the backups threw four interceptions or whatever it was, I don't care. I don't care how many interceptions the backups threw. I know that Jason Garrett might because he's worried about Romo getting hurt. He wants to you know have those players progress, but. You know, for me, you know, I don't care how many interceptions the backups throw. I don't, I don't care how many fumbles the backup wide receivers have. Tarvin. It's just something I don't put stock into. Yeah, I think the Chiefs beat the Niners. And, like, the Falcons were up huge on the Ravens, and, and they ended up losing the game in the fourth quarter. Who cares? I mean, really, all that matters is week one, when you get on that field, I just want everybody to listen. You do, It doesn't matter until you get on that field week one. Then you'll see a product out there that people are trying to win. These guys do not want to get hurt. And I promise you, it's in the back of all of these players' minds, except the guys trying to make the team. They're going to be fearless. These guys are just wanting to get a few reps in, keep their jersey clean, stay out of the, the cold tub, really, Trey, and, and just move on. These mean nothing. And, and for people to sit here and act like that Kansas City is back because, you know, they beat San Francisco or something and play them close and, I don't know. It just really irritates me that some people think that. That's almost like putting stock into the preseason college football polls. Nobody knows what's going to happen, and, and nobody can tell. I mean, until you get out on that field, we don't know. But I just had to throw that out there. And, Trey, the big news for Wayne Sports was last Sunday night show was the number one show on Block Talk Radio. And I'm not talking about just sports shows. I'm talking about overall shows. And it, it was really surprising. I'm, I know we got to number three at one time. But, Trey, I don't know if I told you, but we were the number one show last week on Block Talk Radio. That's, that's impressive. And, you know, it's, you know, Block Talk Radio, i got to thank them a lot, Tarvin. They've actually uh, been very supportive of us uh, throughout the maturation of our show. They've really given us the, the opportunity to grow. So, Thanks to Blog Talk Radio, we'll keep we'll keep it up and keep uh, putting ourselves hopefully in the number one position every night we're on. Yeah, it's because of the fans out here that call in the chat room. Um, just very good people in here, knowledgeable, and we appreciate it, guys. So tell everybody you know to listen to us, come support us, help us grow this. You know, we're not getting rich off this show yet. You know, if we're ever working for ESPN, we could, but. Come support us and help us grow something that, that we believe in a lot. We really enjoy doing it. And I want to apologize for having to miss Wednesday night show. Uh, we had to cancel it. We had a, I had a family emergency we had to take care of. So Trey was hurt. I don't know how that torn muscle is doing, Trey. hope you're better. Well, I'm like RV3, Tarvin. Uh, I am on an amazing comeback trail already, far ahead of doctor's schedule. So no need to worry from here. <laughs> All right, good, bud. Well, we will be back Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, and just want to let y'all know that. And Trey, who are we going to be previewing this week? I think it's time to start getting down to the to the the nitty gritty now. Well, Tarvin, the way I look at it is, I think we have what I see two teams left. Tarvin, do you see more teams to preview than two? No, 
I see Alabama and Florida State as the last two teams that we need to preview, and then we'll take our previews to the overall previews of conference champions and, of course, national champions, the Tarvin. Alabama, Florida State, I think it's time. Could that be a preview of the national championship game? Well, I mean, who knows, Tarvin, who knows? Uh, we're not going to give away the, the keys to the house just yet on that one. But, Tarvin, what uh, what AFC conference would you like to take? You pick. Well, we did the we've done the west, we've done the north. Done the, let's go to the. Was that Tarvin? Let's go to the south. Let's go to the south exactly. All right, we're going uh, AFC South this week. We're almost through with our NFL, and we're, we're going to go back and recap it as soon as we're finished. We're going to go recap some things, and we have a chance, Trey, if you want to change some things, maybe change some wild cards, that's fine. But we need some more participation in this. We'd like some callers to call in and pick some of these games with us. If, if your favorite NFL team's on the list, call in, give us some information. I'd love to hear you know, from a fan of a team. That's the best part of it. So Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, join us. We're ready for some football, guys. I know Sonia says she's like a crack addict over there waiting to waiting to get the season on. So I am too. So we'll see you Wednesday night, guys. Have a great week. Be safe and tune in Wednesday night.